0: Take a look on back A few decades past to a simpler time today When your cares were tied To the fun car ride And the next show on TV So crank on up your phone box jams And flip your tape to the B side. We're going
1: Previously on 80s High.
0: So I was trying to think about board games in the 80s. Everything's dice, right? Everything's yeah, dice. Yeah, for sure. So many. But then I thought of something. You've got to use your wits. You've got to use your mind. you got to know your opponent and get in their head. I want you to put on your admiral's hat.
1: Ooh. I want you to
0: position your fleets. Yeah! Because it's going to be time for us to explore Milton Bradley's
1: battleship oh that's such a good one you sunk my battleship oh we're gonna we're gonna get into it great choice i'm excited that's right everybody welcome back to 80s high the podcast that revisits the most radical things from the decade of the 1980s we're your hosts i'm ben
0: And I'm Chris, and I also say they're not just radical, Ben. They are bodacious.
1: Bodacious!
0: Totally tubular. Tubular, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was trying to think of all the 80s expletives.
1: Unfortunately, all my expletives from the 80s I learned from the Ninja Turtles. I don't don't know any (laughs) others, but from what they yelled when surfing in a sewer. That's all I've got. (laughs) Has anything 80s-ish happened in, in the last week, since we last talked?
0: Hmm. Not that I can think of. Have you had any 80s
1: encounters? We have had a very intense 80s week in our household.
0: More importantly, have you encountered your
1: 80s self
0: in a time loop? That's the most important question.
1: (laughs) He showed up in a car and he was like, what year is it? And I told him the year. And he's like, oh God, I've heard about this. And he got right back and he disappeared.
0: Please tell me you screamed, I'm young. And he said, I'm old. (laughs) And you both
1: passed out at the same time. So good. I knew it would happen. We finally dipped our toes into the Cobra Kai series on Netflix. Oh, that's right. You told me about that. I'm sorry ahead of time, 80s high podcast listeners. We had never watched any of the three Karate Kids. I watched the reboot with Jackie Chan. I apologize for that. No, I had never seen a big gaping hole in my 80s knowledge. Don't get yourself down there. But as a little kid, how many times did we do crane kicks? Did we wax on, wax off? Did we paint the fence? But I'd never seen it. So we watched all three Karate Kids. It's 80s-tastic. It was 80s-tastic. We could maybe do the Karate Kids... Like on a, cause it's interesting. I don't know. You probably don't remember this. But the Karate Kid movies each begin and end right after each other. Like it's the next scene in the movie is the next movie. Oh, I didn't realize that. So they work really well together, sort of like just a binge watch of four hours of karate. Well, kind of like Back to the Future, right? They, yes. they like pick up right where the other one's left off. Exactly. It works just like that. So anyway, that was my big uh, Karate A's week. And I have been kicking down doors. I've been chopping broccoli. I, You know, I've been just I've been going at it around the house. It's been great. That's great.
0: Uh, we did also recently, to dive back into today's topic, we did, last week, I think, play a couple rounds of Battleship, just to reacquaint
1: ourselves with the uh, the game itself. little hands-on research. Indeed. Thanks to, uh, well, I guess we'll get that into chemistry, but uh, thanks to Board Game Arena, we were able to experience Battleship Online together. Yeah. Is there anything we we need to get out now, before we take this topic to class? Um... I know you told me very explicitly that no one cares we have listeners from three countries. so I won't bring that up. Okay, Ben really wants to tell about it. We won't this. talk about we, it. I know it's not geez.
0: important. Ben's very excited to self-promote and self-congratulate. <laughs> we are now officially an international podcast. Where did it international podcast! I don't know if it podcast. just happened, but we are an international podcast. We're on at least three continents. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, three continents, Not right, countries, right.
0: not countries, continents. But um, I want to mention this because I'm like, hey, if you are an international listener, we'd love to hear from you. Because, you know, we talked about in our very first episode, we want to get a little flavor and flair of what was going on in other countries during the 80s. And if you grew up in the 80s at that time in another country, what your perception of U.S. 80s culture. So if you're out there, we invite you to join the class of 80s high. We are an international high school.
1: And if there was only a voice of wisdom to come in to tell you how to join the class of 80s High and tell us your stories, gosh, that would be so useful and practical right about now. If only. Well,
2: attention, 80s High. I'm Matt, and I'm here to share today's homeroom announcements. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to catch the latest show topics and a joyful stream of 80s nostalgia. That's 80s High Podcast on Instagram. Today's lunch menu will feature French bread bread, pizza, yum, and chicken love me tenders. If your hair is perfect and you're dressed in your best, it's really time for you to join the class of 80s high. Get advance notice of show topics, answer fun survey questions, and share your memories with the chance to have them included in a future episode. You can even be the next classmate to read these announcements. Email 80shighpodcast at gmail.com to join. That's 8- Zero. Yes. After school today, there'll be a midwinter recital from the concert band. Be sure to catch them before we lose our arts department. And the computer club, well, they'll be playing with their floppies. Anyway, thank you. Have a bonacious day. And go... Mod-wise.
0: Okay, I'm excited to talk about the game of Battleship. Mm-hmm. Our fleets are arranged. E9. Miss. B4. Miss.
1: Ah, where are your ships? Damn it. They're not even on the board, are they?
0: Oh, you caught me. Okay. (laughs) So much cheating. Let's get into it. Let's go to history. Okay. We are in history class. Now, I need to clear the air and get the record straight at the
1: top of this class. Are you going to tell the history of engineering of of ships that are used in naval combat? No, 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 no. This 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 is what we need to talk about.
0: Oh boy. Because I can just hear now the clarion call of what is that, a fuss budget? Ooh, what is (laughs) that, the Twitter tweet tweet of a killjoy? All you rules lawyers out there, and I'm looking at my co host right now, specifically, (laughs) friend of mine. It's coming. Why on earth is this game on 80s high? (laughs) Um, Actually, it came out in the 30s, you know. Some of these people want to come and stomp on my joy.
1: A very reasonable question for any avid listener or content creator to ask. Hardly.
0: And I'm going to (laughs) defend it for three very distinct reasons as a matter of fact. Oh, here we go. Number one, this was a very popular game in the 80s. Okay. It was everywhere in like everyone's closet. Uh, Nursing homes. Nursing homes. Senate floor. They were playing it on C-SPAN. In between taking votes, every place you looked, you couldn't swing an arm without knocking over a game of Battleship, okay? It was everywhere, including on television, which is my second point. What? This was on commercials
1: all the time. Oh, commercials. I thought you meant there was like a competitive Battleship League you could watch. No, like no, no. pool halls. Like I mean, a thing there I mean. could have been.
0: There could have been, you know. Back alley betting games, or you know, we're in the park <laughs> where they're playing like competitive chess or would whatever. You bet like, on, on battleship
1: in Vegas in the 80s, because that would have been awesome. That would have been amazing. Oh my God. So,
0: the popular catchphrase, You sunk my battleship, was uh-huh. said endlessly throughout the 80s. There's a little question as to whether or not it started in the 80s or the late 70s, but no days, You sunk my battleship? Yes. There is a specific commercial in mind, which we'll talk about later, where okay. this was first uttered. But this was a big catchphrase, so much so that no one can bring up this game without yelling out, you sunk my battleship. It's kind of like, Ben, if I said this phrase, could you complete it? I love what you do for me. Toyota.
1: I don't know what you're saying. Go. What are you saying? That's about? exactly it Toyota? It.
0: That's brand recognition. Was I right? Of course you were. Oh man. And you didn't wow. even realize it. That's even better, brain recognition. That's, oh, that's brainwashing, is what exactly. I'm concerned about. That's deep in there somewhere. So that helps prove my point.
1: And thirdly, oh my, no.
0: electronic talking battleship. It's pretty cool. came out in 1989. Was it cool? Sort of. Did anyone <laughs> need it? No. Sure. Not really. No. Did it enable solo play against the computer? Absolutely it did. So there you have it.
1: What I'm hearing is you chose this topic because finally in 89, you found a game that you didn't need friends to play with. And you were like, this is the game for me. This is what I need. Folks, I've called my (laughs) co-host a
0: monster several times on the show. And I hope this is just more proof as to why. We'll put the evidence out there. You decide. (laughs) We leave it up to you, dear
1: classmates and listeners. I'm excited to get into talking about this. Can we move on? Are you satisfied? I'm just saying, I'm trying to share some enthusiasm that I'm excited to talk about the centuries within the 1980s. This is really exciting to talk about this. This is great. This monster. Okay. (laughs) So what is
0: Battleship or Battleships or Sea Battle as it might also be called? Sea... So this is a strategy guessing game for two players. I did not find any variant
1: that was more than two players. Did you, Ben? No, I think they call that, what's where you like, you stay four Foursquare. It's like Foursquare. I think that's the closest you can get to multiplayer battle. I was going to say, you kind square. of get into like Risk or Axis and Allies territory yeah, where you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. squaring no, off. Yeah. I just saw
0: 1v1 and I just learned one uh, v nobody. Yeah, you could play against AI. And certainly I'm sure on some of the modern apps and video game versions, there's solo play as well. But you know, traditionally a two player game and it's played on a ruled like 10 by 10 grid, either on paper or on like a game board. And each player has a fleet of ships, and what they're going to do is place them in this field. It is concealed from their opponent. They're going to lay their fleets out. And then players are going to take turns calling shots to the other player. And your objective, of course, is to destroy the opponent player's fleet. Decimate them. Smash other ships before they hit you. Mm -hmm. And the grids, you know, A through J, 1 through 10. So you call out, you know, C7. Miss! And you say hit or or miss. Ah. And then, of course, if you sink a ship, oh, you sink my submarine. You sink my battleship, of course. By the way, I looked it up. Sink or sunk
1: technically works. Yeah, you know, that I'm is unfortunate. That there, the game is very biased against the rest of your fleet. Like, it's called Battleship. You sunk my battleship. But you've got all the other ships. You've got your submarine. You've got your aircraft carrier. You've got your the little guy. What's the little guy called? Cruiser?
0: Traditionally, there are five different ships. The carrier is the biggest five squares, and then you've got the battleship with four, the cruiser and the
1: submarine are both three, and then the destroyer. And when you say those numbers, that's how many spaces they take up on the grid.
0: Yeah, that's how many spaces. So when you're calling off on the grid, destroyer is going to take up two squares in a line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so why is it called battleship? I, I didn't actually look this up, but I'm going to guess at that time, those were the beasts of the sea. Those were like the pride and joy of any fleet is to have battleships. Which time are we talking about? We we're talking about World War II, so let's okay, get into the you. history. That's a good segue. So let's talk a little bit about the history of this game. Ben, what do you know about the origins of the game Battleship?
1: Tell me your knowledge. I can't say a great deal. I saw that it is very controversial on its original origin. Like the ori- like mm. the real original Battleship may be lost to the ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that there was one... At some point in the eighteen hundreds, was I mean, I, I was supposed to bring that up so I could say the French because I would butcher it. Sometime in the eighteen hundreds, which made me feel better about it being on eighties high podcast because there's an eight zero in the middle of the eighteen hundreds, so I felt we were getting closer. Is it like Colosseum naval battles in Rome? Is that is that where this Indeed, all? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you've you've definitely hit a lot of the marks
0: there. So the game itself, from what we can tell, really started to be published by a lot of companies in the 1930s, so right around the time of World War II. But as Ben mentioned, there are kind of origins or predecessors to this game that seem to go back before that. For the game itself, it's said to have been played by Russian officers even before World War I. Whoa, okay. So that would be early 1900s. The French game that you mentioned is... Latak.
1: Latak. I would not have screwed that up. That's not that
0: hard to say. Not that hard. Uh, but played during World War One. I. I looked this game up. This really is a predecessor to Stratego. Oh. Like if you look at a game of Latak, it is Stratego down to the even barriers in the middle of the board. Interesting. But I think you can make a really strong case that Stratego does have a lot of influence on Battleship, right? Because you have secret placement and you're trying to seek and destroy. You know, certain aspects of your enemy's troops or, you know, the commanders or capture the flag, I think, is ultimately the goal of Stratego, if I remember correctly. So you can definitely see some of those influences in that game. Another game that I felt was a closer approximation is an 1890 game called
1: Basilinda. That's a game titled Basilinda. That really sounds like a fantastical troll with one eye, who you have to get a password from to get like through a bridge. It does sound
0: like a character from a fantastical series. I have sent you a link to a picture of this game. I want you to take a look at it. Tell me what you see.
1: Okay, this
0: Basilinda looks. I'm very intrigued by this. This looks awesome. I kind of want to play this game actually. So, what what, what are you seeing in this photo? Explain it to our listeners.
1: Okay, so you've got a battleship board layout, so you've got a square game board with a vertical divider in the middle, so you can't see what the other side is doing, alternating bright red and yellow stripes up and down the board, which I'm assuming delineates troop placement. And then on each side, you can see the players have placed three, you know, three-dimensional, maybe metallic models of cannon. And uh, think of like little like sari pieces. There's probably 20 sari pieces on either side uh, being placed. I'm excited about what the cannons do. And the art looks kind of beautiful. It's like a forest or a battlefield sort of thing in the middle.
0: Yeah. So as Ben mentioned, it has a very similar setup to Battleship in that you each have the same kind of board. Although rather than having this 10 by 10 grid, you just have these like nine kind of rectangles that you can place cannons or troops in. And so what you do is you would place the partition and you're going to place your cannons and your troops and you can place them in kind of any spaces that you want And then you're going to lift the partition. And there are rules based on what is opposing each other to what happens. So cannons cancel each other out. If I place a cannon across from any troops on Ben's
1: side, those troops are gone. This game is awesome. I love the reveal that you pull up the middle board. and you're like, Oh no, look where your cannons are. I'm doomed. Like it's awesome.
0: This is great. Yeah, so you play that and then, but the cool thing is, is then you put the partition back and you redo it again. And your goal is to try to knock out your opponents before they knock you out. But the cool thing about this one, which you don't get in Battleship, is you can move your stuff after each round. So you can move your troops and your cannons and then it becomes that great. What I like about games like this is that it's a little bit of a get into your opponent's head. You're trying to think like your opponent, see what they're going to do. I find those games kind of fun. Ben, you and I have played other games similar to that. Like, um, I mean, that's kind of what Ink and Gold is all about, right? You're trying to like outsmart your opponent and see what they're going to do and press your luck.
1: I think we have to homebrew this because the link that I found, the link that you sent is it was sold on eBay and what it was sold for is blocked because this is a copy from 1890. I don't think I have enough plasma to sell to pay for a Basilinda board game.
0: I mean, the good news is it looks like a pretty easy game to create on your own and to, and to homebrew to your point. I think it would be kind of fun to play. It actually, no, sure. I was I would like, play wow, this. I would play this game. So that's some of the origin stories or, or influences I could find. As mentioned, by the thirties, a lot of companies were selling it as a pad and pencil game. Uh, the first commercial version of the game was called Salvo, published in 1931 in the U.S. Uh, In 1943, Milton Bradley published Broadsides, The Game of Naval Strategy,
1: again as a pad and pencil version. I know this wasn't part of the plan, but I have a curveball for you because I was concerned about this. I didn't know what a salvo was, if that's the result, So I just googled salvo, a simultaneous discharge of artillery or other guns in battle. Can you help me wrap my rule-loving brain around simultaneous, where in Battleship it's like I say D4 and you say E9, and like we go back and forth. That's a great question. And for the game, Salvo,
0: you actually fired more than one shot at a time. What? Yeah. And we'll get into the rules later when we talk about some of the variants, but I believe you could fire up to five shots at a time. And that number decreases, I'm trying to remember, either as your fleet, I think as your, you lose ships, you fire fewer shots. So you are actually oh. shooting a barrage at your enemy. So it's a great question. Great catch. That's why it's called Salvo. That okay. was the version played at that time. It wasn't this one shot back and
1: forth. I've got more on that when we get into variants, but that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. So,
1: 43,
0: Milton Bradley does their own pad and pencil version. And then in 1967, finally, Milton Bradley decides they're going to do the game that's plastic, board, and pegs, very much like what we conceive of the Battleship games up until this day, 2021. Where you play on the pegboards, you got the little miniature plastic ships. It was conceived by a guy named Ed Hutchins. Mm. And not too long after, in 1977, a mere 10 years later, they actually released a computerized electronic battleship much earlier than I had anticipated. And as I mentioned uh, at the top of this class, 89 electronic talking battleship, which did allow for solo play. So that's some of the history of this game that I could find. Ben, do you have any questions so far?
1: So the 77 version was, there was already a talking one in 77? It was electronic. It wasn't talking. Oh, so, it so j- bleeps it just made it and bloops. And bloops and burr, burr, exactly. <laughs> wait, wait. Huh. 60 bucks on eBay. This is beefy. The case for this, like the actual board. Are you talking about the
0: electronic talking or just electronic?
1: No, just electronic 1977 okay. Milton okay. Bradley. I grew up with the very, and we'll get into it more in chemistry, but I had the very simple blue and red battleship. This thing is a beast of plastic. It's huge.
0: I mean, back then, electronics were not miniaturized like they oh are my today. God,
1: it's cool though. The graphics on the 77 one are sweet. It's pretty swanked, man.
0: Yeah. Great vintage
1: styling going on there. That is super cool. Uh, history, questions, questions. In your research, did you identify the first... Murder that happened over a lost game of Battleship, did that come up? I found plenty of Monopoly-based murders. I could not
0: find (laughs) any Battleship-based murders. There are so many cold cases about Monopoly murders. It's impressive.
1: Yeah, one more little history fact I think is neat. So you know, you know, um, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton had a, a big duel, eighteen o four, and I think that's right about when the attack was really big. So I think that duel was actually over a disagreement in uh, placement of ships and troops. in And I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, just putting out some important history there so people can follow. We know it was a game of Basilinda. <laughs> Basilinda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna make that for sure. I really would. I do want to make that. That'll be fun.
0: So a couple of fun facts I do just want to share in history. You may be wondering how many possible ways could I set up my board? Oh my god.
1: You ever wondered that? Uh no. I but I've sat there going, I know there's got to be a better way than what I just did. Well then, you will be happy to know, according to this,
0: there are 30 billion ways. 30 you can, with a B, with a B. Billion! It says where the two length three ships are considered to be distinguishable.
1: Did they calculate this by hand when Le Attack came out, or is this more of a computer program model?
0: This is based on dynamic programming. Ooh, okay. Since 1967, the Battleship board game has sold more than 100 million copies. That's between both Milton Bradley and now Hasbro, who currently publishes the game.
1: There's more ways to set up your ships than copies sold. Many more. This eBay version of um, Bazalinda, I think, has traded hands at least a million times. So that should add to it from 1890. I, I don't
0: think. think they count Bazalinda in the sales. <laughs> it's not the same game.
1: You got to bump those numbers up. Come I don't on. think Milton
0: Bradley ever published that game retroactively. <sighs> well, I could have called it Milton Bazalinda. It made a lot more money. I'm That's just saying. Fair. And then last but not least, Battleship is produced in 29 languages and sold in more than 40 countries. So Battleship is definitely out there more than this podcast so far.
1: Right. I mean, we, our podcast will be in more countries than languages of Battleship for sure. To your point of how popular this game is, I do struggle and I'm sure it's there. I'm lacking empathy right now. I have not existed in a world of seeing a battleship game and not instantly knowing how to play it. Like it just feels so natural, you know. I have a big board game collection, and most of my games I have to reread the instruction manual before I play with friends. Battleship, you just see it, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. It's because you watched all of those '80s commercials and you and <laughs> you took them all in. But that is a good point. I just I do want to. Throw, it's a little more chemistry, but it's blending a little bit. Where there is something about. The game is very intuitive and you think of like popular board games today, how complicated they are Yes, um, and what goes into it. And I feel like Battleship is like one of the simplest, I mean, it's simple to learn, very difficult to be good at.
0: That's a great point. Let's actually run across the hall to chemistry class so we can just pick up where we left off. No, this is great. Here we go. Meet you over there. I don't know that there's tons of mastery to this game, but it is very simple to pick up and play. We've played games where I have a migraine after an hour and a half of rule reading. And even games that I know well on their surface, I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be
1: easy to describe. You start getting into it. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, but no, you're right. And then you play the board game. You think you've gone through the 60 page rule book and you're in the game an hour and a half later, and you're like, oh... Okay, everybody, I forgot. There's like one little thing that would have been really important like 45 minutes ago. No,
0: All of a sudden, it's the Cones of Dunshire. You're like, what is going on?
1: Cones of Dunshire. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you said a way to master this. I actually did look up. I tried to look up winning strategies for Battleship today.
0: I did too, but before we get to those, I want to hear from you. What was your favorite strategy playing Battleship?
1: As you've seen with lots of board games you and I play, I oftentimes don't necessarily play for winning I like collaborative games. Like, I like games where we're all on the same team versus the game. Those are my favorite types of games. I play for fun, especially if it's, like, a short game where I don't have a lot invested in it. So I like making weird shapes out of the battleships. Like, you and I played online, and I made a straight line of all the ships down the middle. Popping them in all four corners making a smiley face out of the ships in the ocean. Like, I just like something that when you see it, you're like, oh my God, are you serious? That was your arrangement? You just have a little fun. You like the playful nature of it. That's good. I like the playful nature. The playful nature of sinking tens of thousands of naval officers into the plastic ocean by blowing their ships up. Just the playful nature of that.
0: You know, it's not a heavy subject matter if you don't think about it too much. Not at all. So we did ask our class of 80s high... Well, the survey. Members, we did ask them, hey, what's your favorite strategy or tactic playing? Here's a couple. Place two ships near each other and space out the rest. It's not actually a bad strategy. That's, That's a pretty sneaky. good one. I like That's that. a good one. Random guesses. I mean, let's just be clear. Yes.
1: That's mostly what we did. This is one of
0: my favorite. A little salty comment. Lose as quickly as possible so I didn't have to keep playing. Ooh. Salty. This person hated Battleship. This person just blobbed them all in the middle so they all touched. So it was just like bomb fest. If they had only gotten to try Basilinda, they would have been hooked. Uh, space off the ships as far as possible. Also a good one. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite strategy, thinking I had a strategy. Right? <laughs> and I feel like
1: that's the most honest answer. On that this was thing. the most honest. I
0: mean, I appreciate everyone's input, but of course that one I thought very honest. Yeah. You mentioned that you uh, looked up some air quotes, winning strategies, what did you come up with? What did right. you find? So
1: I found a really cool article. I can't remember the name. This is terrible. But this is somebody who was a programmer with Microsoft Game Studios for like mm. almost a decade. I n- in no way want to steal your thunder. So in a topic we'll get into later, there was a recent th- event that happened that everybody was talking about Battleship again. And so they interviewed this this programmer of like, hey, what do you think about this game? And so the programmer is saying there were two strategies they used that statistically you had fewer moves to sink your opponent's battleships. Okay. I am releasing this onto the podcast. If you're listening and we know each other, don't you dare use any of these on me. But this is a gift I'm giving to you to destroy your siblings and your cousins in the future at all holiday gatherings. Or your children, if that's the kind of if that's the kind of parent you're kind of rock right now, you got to show them who's boss once in a while. I, I like a parent that doesn't go light on their kids. Yeah, they they just exactly. Sort of decimate them, it builds character. So the first one they called it. Um, it's a two part strategy. It's hunter, hunter target strategy. So the hunter is you imagine the board like a checkerboard. So there's okay. there's dark squares and white squares. And you just pick a color and you only go after that color on the whole Mm. board. So that cuts your hunting down by 50% because the smallest boat is two squares large. So you'll at least hit half of a boat at some point. That cuts your time in half. And then the target was once you find a boat. Oh yeah, right. So as you narrow down the field, you know, you're putting the pegs in your board of where all your misses are. So it's starting to shrink the space. So if there's only four open spaces of the water, you know the battleship is, not, is the the carrier is not there. So if you've already sunk the carrier, you're not looking for a five, an open window of five. Right. Maybe you only have the submarine left, so you're only looking for gaps of three. So only shoot in gaps of three. Don't shoot anywhere else except gaps of three. Right. That was sort of their statistical way to maximize your butt kickery in battleship. That's great.
0: And that's not the same article I found. So we actually found some different, but I think in some ways, complementary bits mm. of recommendations here. So the article I was looking at said, you want to avoid some of the most guessed spaces. Now, they have indicated what those are. Interesting. We'll just throw them in the show notes for people who are interested. We'll put yours on there too. Okay. Again, sort of mathematically or experientially, there are some highly guessed areas that people just naturally go toward. And so avoid those. Also, uh, putting ships in harder to say locations like F six H eight are harder to say than B four A one. People may be more likely to not say those harder to, or they may not be. They may not come to the top of the person's mind even unconsciously. Uh, as easily as something like B-4, B-7.
1: I know for a fact we have several speech-language pathologists who listen to that's our right. <laughs> podcast, and I cannot wait to hear their input on that. That's fascinating. That's good. Yeah. Also,
0: place ships vertically. People tend to place horizontally, and that's partially because we read left to right. And if you look across the top, I think they're, the numbers are on top. So it's one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 10. And so people are more likely to place their ships horizontally so place yours vertically and also if you get a hit you're better off to try to guess the next shot will be somewhere on the horizontal plane rather than the vertical plane
1: okay okay all right i get it i like it they
0: also suggest leaving some empty spaces so similarly to the person who's like group a couple ships together and space the rest out if you cluster them somewhat close together and leave a big open space it can be really joyful to watch people hunting in this vast empty ocean yeah. <laughs> trying to Just like to hit losing you. their mind of like where are your ships? Losing their minds and they can't find you. Mm. One recommendation is keep your ships in a close knit group. But no touching. Oh, interesting. Don't let them touch because there's a good chance someone could easily find two of your ships if they happen to guess correctly yeah, I made and that now mistake you've lost two. when we played for sure. Ben definitely made that guy. mistake in one of our rounds mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm also suggest placing a ship or two on the edges because a lot of people don't guess first on the edges. They tend to go toward the metal.
1: You had a tactic that drove me nuts where you, and I learned this after like two rounds, that this was like a thing you did. You always took one or two ships and you'd put the edge of it, like the end of a ship, on the edge of the left or the right of the board. So you'd spend so much time trying to find where that dang ship was actually, which direction it was going. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was a good tactic. Those are some
0: of the fun strategies. Also, I think another huge part of chemistry are the commercials. Yeah. Did you look up any of these commercials and or remember any from your childhood?
1: I did not remember any, but I did look up one that has like a kid playing like, it feels like he's in the, the I don't know, the command center of a ship. And there's mm. like an admiral and a sonar guy like yelling at him about yes, what to do. Yeah, I saw that one too. And, like, high production value. Like, that was, like, a lot went into making that commercial. I think that one was from the 90s. Okay.
0: I saw, so the one of the earliest ones, I think this is the first one where they say you sink I'm sorry, you sunk my battleship, is two men playing at the opera. Did you see
1: this one? No, but um, you just brought up a really big thing we're going to get into. So yeah, go, go, go with the opera.
0: So it's two guys like up in the, what are those side seats are? The balcony seats off to the side. And they're playing this game and and of course they're being shushed by everybody and at a certain point, the actors on the stage look up and shush, because the guy stands up and
1: exclaims, you sold my battleship. So again, these are like pretty high production. I feel like when I was a kid, there were like two types of toy commercials. There was one where it just had kids playing with the action figures, like in a little setting, like there was like dirt and trees and like obviously fake. And they're like... New from Hasbro or new yeah. from Kenner. And like, they're just kids playing with the toys. And then there are these like super highly produced commercials that really promote like put you in the storytelling and the action. Not only great production value on some of these, but great catchphrases.
0: So, in addition to You Sunk My Battleship, one of the earliest ones was Battleship, It's a Hit.
1: Ah, uh, get it? Cause like you're you're trying to hit the ships. I get. I know what's up. I get it. I follow and it. And
0: then on the one for electronic battleship, the kid wins. And he's like, "You won!" And the kid's like, "Now you're talking." Oh, I another get other good ones. It's good. That's yeah. good. We
1: could have been ad men in the eighties and raked in millions. Oh my gosh, these are so
0: great. And it was also uh, kind of built as a game you can take anywhere. Which I mean, absolutely. Like a lot of those board games had a bunch of loose pieces. Or just like a big box, and you had to cram everything in it. And the nice thing about Battleship, again to this day, I mean, maybe not that 70s talking version, which is a big old Huge. beast. Huge. So big. But you fold them up, everything's inside, it's super portable. You can take it, play in the car with your
1: sibling, or on a trip. I put that as a plus for Battleship too. that I was impressed here. Like, with all the board games, my god, how many times have I lost pieces? Like, I always have to, I have had to, uh, who makes it, Klaus Tobler, whoever makes Catan, I've had to like mm. email Catan and ask for like replacement roads and settlements <laughs> and stuff, <laughs> right? Because you lose them. Battleship came with a million pegs. I have yeah. never played a game of Battleship where I'm like, oh, I don't have any hit pieces or I don't find miss pieces. Like I ran out. Yeah, you could lose stopped. like you could lose like
0: fifty of them and still have enough. Yes, so many. This is a great game to like. On a rainy day, you take it to you know your favorite coffee shop, and you sit there. It's easy to play on one of those little tables. You can be out and about. Like the
1: portability is definitely a thing. You know the the rainy day. That's my memory of Battleship. Both as a as a summer camper and a summer camp counselor, mm. because when it rained at least the camps that I worked at or the camps that I went to, you really didn't go outside much because as a counselor, it's a pain in the butt to get all your kids clean after getting muddy and wet. And you don't don't want kids getting sick because you're all, all the way out of camp. So you stayed inside. So there were all these various games you did at summer camp if it rained. I remember you would always send like two campers on a run to the main building to go like grab all the board games right when the rain started. Right. To come back. And that's my memory is playing Battleship a lot on the floor of a cabin at summer camp while it rained. That's where I played Battleship.
0: Yeah, it stands apart from a lot of other games of that era because of its form factor. And you had a lot of pieces, but they weren't a lot of different pieces. They were mostly just 8,000 pegs. Right. There are tons of variants and versions of this game. We don't need to get into the nitty gritty of all of them. There are versions of Battleship, and then there are rule variants or setup variants. And I want to distinguish between those two. So first off, let's just talk about the different game type versions. Okay. Right, so we already talked about electronic talking, we talked about electronic. What were some other ones that you're aware of, played, know about then?
1: The only version that I've ever played was the very simple, like, it, there's a red box, and there's mm. like a blue box, because you yep. can choose which colors you want to play. Oh, because you, then you back them up to each other. And it's just very simple plastic, putting it in, the graphics are really simple. That's the only one. I, now, just to get in the spirit here, while you and I have been recording, I have been watching long YouTube plays of the video game versions of Battleship. I see. So there's an NES version, uh, which is pretty cool, pretty animated. And then I see that there was a version on Xbox Live for a while that was really nice. It had like animated water and stuff. Very, very oh, sure. colorful ships.
0: Absolutely. But I would
1: say those are the only three versions I can add to. There's a Star Wars version, there's
0: a G.I. Joe, Pirates of the Caribbean. Cool. Uh, You have card game versions, travel versions. In 2008, they actually did an updated version where they were on hexagonal tiles. Get out of here. And each player's board contained islands, and they had like captured man figurines placed on them. And so that was like a different setup. There was a version called Battlefleet, which is more like campaign style missions where ships could move and they had some abilities. There's a battleship with planes. What? Did you play any of these? No, none of these I have played. The one I did play was Battleship Galaxies. Thematically, it's not; it doesn't have a ton in line with the kind of traditional battleship game. It was fun, but it's, it definitely feels like its own standalone.
1: Well, then when you and I are doing research, maybe you already mentioned this one, but there was the one where it's plastic, it's more modern. It was almost looked like Star Trek, the chess they played on Star Trek. Like there were f- oh, the three, three letter- platforms. <laughs> Which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, like 3D, 3D battleship, I think basically. it was space-themed,
0: too. That looked awesome. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. It definitely looks like that next generation, like, they're in Ford and they're playing that three-level chess or whatever it is. And then um, just a couple other versions that I saw, there's Torpedo Attack, where I think the mechanic is you had, like, a little periscope mirror where you could try to use it to, like, spy on your enemies' placements. That's awesome. That's cool. It's kind of fun. And then there's another one, which I think will lead into something that you found, that video you showed me. There's one called Battleship Shots. At first, I thought this was a drinking game, but actually, I'm sure someone's made that version. But it was kind of like your traditional setup, but then you could launch balls over the wall and try to hit. Oh, I saw a
1: picture of that. That's cool. I like that.
0: And so it reminded me almost of like... there's a couple games where you can like use pieces to knock things over. There's like a it's almost like a rampage type game. A <gasps> yeah. board game where you can like knock buildings over with monsters. Anyway, it kinda reminded me of that or that version that you found where those guys were playing like a real live version of Battleship with each other.
1: Yeah, we saw this video where these uh guys, gentlemen, we'll say. Uh, Like three on each side of a wall were dressed up as Navy officers. It was was some influencer YouTube kind of video. Yeah. And they all sat in little cardboard boats they had made. And they're basically just throwing dodgeballs over the wall. Yeah. But then did you watch long enough to see what happens if your boat got sunk? No, what happened? They took like a car wash sort of sponge, like a big heavy sponge. And they shoved it in a t-shirt gun. And then at like point blank range, like 10 feet, they shot you with the sponge. T-shirt guns are meant to go up like 150 rows in a hockey stadium.
0: These guys remind me of either like impractical jokers or like jackass, you know, those yeah, kind of guys, yeah, right? Yeah, kind like, of a
1: jackass. Those sort of
0: antics. Of <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was kind of silly. But, I, you know, I like the idea. I, like, I mean, the idea sure. in general is, it sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. So those were some of the different kind of versions that I found out there. I'm sure there's tons more because, again, this game has a lot of permeation in our culture. Yeah. Now the ruler setup variants. Here's another thing. So the Salvo variant, which you mentioned earlier, so each player can take as many shots in one turn as that player has ships remaining afloat. So the starting player announces all five shots. Then the opponent announces which, if any, are hits. So to your point, you're
1: launching a broadside. No, I feel way better about that. And I will, I just want to put in here, Salvo is the only variance I've ever played too. And we, we called it Salvo. I mean, you played it, like I said, on the classic blue and red battleship game. But it was like, hey, we only have three minutes because right. like we got to jump in the car because mom's <laughs> taking us to the pool. All right, right? You you can each fire five shots at a time. Let's get let's get this going. Let's move it along. And that's the cool thing is
0: you know a lot of these rules you could easily take to a classic version of Battleship and just incorporate them like as house rules. Yeah. And in some versions, the aircraft carrier was allowed two shots, so you could shoot six. That's intense. that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. There's other variants of uh, rules where if a player gets hit that same player takes another turn and they can keep calling consecutive shots until there's a miss. This reminds me of Uno where you can just keep playing. Just destroy somebody. Skits,
1: skip, 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 draw two, draw two and, you know, and just like, like murder it's someone. It's like when people put up those memes and they show their hand and it's a bunch of wilds and draw yeah. fours and their like <laughs> child is smiling on the other side yeah. of the table and they're yeah, like, ah.
0: like, I'm just about to wreck my kid <laughs> right, and right. send him to therapy forever. <laughs> yeah. The version we played, actually, this is another one. Submarines are a different class of ship altogether.
1: One square, everybody. Impossible to find. One Impossible.
0: square size. And there were two of them.
1: Uh, that made the game go much longer than necessary. That was hard.
0: Here's another version. You can allow players to decline to announce that a ship has been sunk. You would acknowledge the hit, but you don't necessarily acknowledge that the ship was actually was sunk, so that they may have to take subsequent shots To determine whether or not it was destroyed, which kind of then makes your uh,
1: strategy of just lining them up a little more viable. Yeah, it could work under that scenario. You know, I've just had a realization that I really want to get into. I want to see if we can talk about it. All right. Because I think you've brought something up that's really interesting. So I feel like a penultimate part of the Battleship experience is trash talk. Oh, yeah. Just yelling at the other person about how stupid their placement was. Yeah, Or they're lying or they're cheating or... They hit your ship and you're so mad or just being like, ha ha ha, you'll never find my thing. And I feel that's very special. Like when I think of other games that were big in the 80s, like Saris, you just get bummed like once in a while. Clue is more like high level, like strategizing, like, oh, may I see what you have here. And oh, I'm just going to walk over here. Life is just kind of life is more like you're angry at yourself for what the game (laughs) is doing to you. Yeah, And, like, Monopoly, everyone just finally doesn't care anymore because they're so tired of nothing happening in the game. Oh, my gosh. N- everyone is only talking about, like, God, I wish we could do something else. But Battleship, I feel, really shines as a smack-talk game from the 80s. It
0: doesn't even have to be smack-talk so much where someone tries to hit and you go, bloop. You know, like, you can just make a little <laughs> a little comment like, uh, uh, that's a big old uh, miss. Like, you can just... <laughs> this subtle trash
1: talk can even just a little little needle in the side it's not a smack in the face um, oh (laughs) I bet I bet that was an endangered dolphin species bummer oh Oh. Well, you broke the surface of the water, but that's oh, it. Yeah. No. Are you running oh, out of absolute. pieces over there? That's, yeah. that's unfortunate.
0: <laughs> I like that. That's good. The salt and sass that you can deal out is probably better than the salvo of you yeah. know cannon fire itself. That's why the it's game great. has
1: to be in so many different languages, because the instruction booklet tells you about all the sass and the smack talk you have to do during the game. Now I get it. Now I get the instruction.
0: And, you know, smack talk is going to be language dependent and culture dependent. Absolutely. So, totally. So a couple other variants I saw, I just want to get to these super quick. One is that after like every fourth or fifth move, you could move one of your ships to an uncalled location. That's awesome. That was kind of neat. I saw a Tetris version where the ships are all shaped like the different Tetris pieces.
1: <laughs> As engineers in World War One and Two, aptly d- d- designed. This one's going to be a line with a little side jetty belt, <laughs> <you> know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And the last one I saw, which sounds bonkos, and again, not a quick game, a big board of 20 by 20. Whoa. But your fleet is doubled in size. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, that game would never end.
0: And you can shoot three times. So bigger board, more ships, more shots, different flair and variety could be fun. Uh
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. I did see a couple things about kind of internationally how the game varies as well. So one of them in the UK, players have five mines. Ben, I think you found this one earlier. You could place mines. That's awesome. Yeah, I like the mines. On your board, they occupy one square each. When a player's guess hits a mine on the opponent's board, it destroys anything in that square and the eight surrounding squares.
1: We're going to play that sometime. That's awesome. That
0: seemed like a very fun variant. So apparently that's popular in the UK. So in Russia, there's a version that's played. Uh, there's... I think it's called sea battle, like the kind of customary version. And depending on the rules, a player may or may not take another shot on the same turn if you hit. So I think that's where that rule kind of originated from uh, as a variant. And then ships cannot occupy squares next to each other, like horizontally, vertically, or diagonally.
1: Oh, okay. And also
0: apparently the set of ships are noticeably different, though I couldn't find out exactly how.
1: Well, they, they have like the Russian flag on them. Is that just this shit? Exactly. That's, uh, that's what's different.
0: Lastly, uh, India. This one sounds very interesting. Instead of announcing whether a shot is a hit or a miss immediately, the players are only required to announce how many of their opponent's three shots were hits and on which kind of vessel. Oh. Yeah. So it says, you know, this kind of provides more strategy. It moves away from a player's dependence on pure luck. There's importance on keeping track of which turn a player scores a hit on something. And they use different ships. So talking about Tetris, the aircraft carrier is five spaces, but it's in a T-shape. As ships were designed to be. As they were. That was interesting. The battleship is five. There's two ships that are three and two ships that are two. So just more ships, but in different variations. So again, internationally, you know, there's a little bit of variation to uh, how the game
1: plays. I love that. Like you and I both said, this is a game that is great for a rainy day, and after you've played your 400th round of basic battleship, you're like, let's tweak this a little bit and see what else we can come up with. Replicate that over 60 years in different countries, and you're going to get a bunch of cool little variances on how to play the game. That's true. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I don't want you to call my doctor. I don't want you to be concerned. I don't want you to be freaked out, but my flask is empty. My vials are drained. My beakers are dry. I have nothing left for chemistry class. I've I've given all I can in this period. And your stomach is growling. So hungry. I wonder what they're uh, serving in the mess hall today on the aircraft carrier. I'm really interested. Are we in 80s high military academy? Is that what we're doing now? It's simmering in the galley and we're going to go eat in the mess hall. Aye, aye.
2: c6 miss h8 hit c5 battleship a great game of strategy action and suspense miss h6 you sank my battleship the game you can play anywhere battleship from milton
1: bradley Ahoy there, Ben. Uh, we made it back. boy. You know what's amazing is Navy food is just as good as high school food, I'm going to say. I, I wasn't expecting much, but I think it, it came out right about par. I think they get the same suppliers. I'm going to put that out there. I think it's the same suppliers. What is the name of that supplier, that like huge food thing? Um, Sudeco? Something like that? Saduko? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> the number game. They also are a massive high school lunch food provider. Okay. what?
0: Did you find that this game – I mean, obviously, again, we've talked about the umpty bajillion variants, versions, replicants that have come out throughout the years of this game. It still, to this day, sells very well. Oh, yeah. Did you find anything else? What else did
1: you see? So, I have have two things that has influenced. One – is I want to go back to our 80s high survey where you asked epic memories of Battleship. And this person said the real life Battleship was epic. People would go and watch the Battleship matches at the Virginia Tech gym pool and there would be crazy yelling from the fans. And I want to do this ASAP. Okay. So at Virginia Tech, it's an indoor swimming pool, a lap pool, and they have a bunch of canoes. And you get in a canoe, two people, you've got paddles so you can maneuver, and then you can take whatever containers you want in your canoe, like buckets, cups, wherever you want. And your goal is to try and fill other people's canoes with water until they sink into the pool. Wow. And it just looks like madcap fun. It looks awesome. It looks great. Can you bail your own ship out or are you just kind of stuck it's with whatever? That's a great question. Huh? I do not see the rules here in this YouTube video. Okay, that's fine. And I don't see anybody bailing their own ship but it just looks awesome. I love this a lot. That sounds amazing. So that was good. Uh, the other one is I have a confession to make. You were so kind to think that I played... The innocent and fun battle shots, but actually, it was the the adult battle shots is what I played. So I figured this existed. Can you explain yeah. how this works? So I've only played this once, and it was uh, graduate school, right after we all finished. You know, some classmates were looking for a ways to celebrate, and there was a bar in our. Please note,
0: he was of age, everybody. Just I was well, yeah. This is grad it school. Must, I was very be, much yeah. of age.
1: <laughs> Please drink. He wasn't Doogie Howser. It was not Doogie. <laughs> also, an eighties property. Oh, we're gonna get to Doogie for sure. Uh, So this bar did this thing called Open to Close, where the goal was to just be at the bar from when they opened to when the bar eventually closed, just to stay on property. Didn't have to drink. Didn't have to do that. You could if you wanted. Whatever. Uh, And so you have to order food in because the bar didn't have food, so we ordered pizzas. So how you do battle shots, you finish your pizzas. You've got two pizza boxes. You open them up to 90-degree angles. You put the backs to each other. Then you draw the grids just like you do in the game with like a Sharpie marker. And then the same number of shots that you have, like, in the board game. So, five shot glasses is the aircraft carry and so on. Now, we played with beer. So, at the end of the day, you're drinking, like... And I... Oh, you had teammates. So, it was 2v2. So, honestly, you drank, like... Maybe three quarters of one beer in 45 minutes, like of a can. So it's really not that disastrous of amount of alcohol you're drinking whatsoever. But yeah, so you just call it the numbers and they say, oh, oh, you did hit me. And then someone has to drink that shot of beer on their side. So that's the most contemporary version of the board game I have experienced. I thought you were going to say you would put out shots
0: to fill the entire board. And oh, my God. it's like hard liquor where the ships are, <laughs> oh and then God. the misses are just beer. So you're you're always drinking no matter what. I
1: would not be alive today to have this podcast with you <laughs> if that's what we had done. Oh, my God. That's insane. That's what I was envisioning in my head. So those are my two. Those are my two contemporary inspirations.
0: Those are fantastic. I'm sure this game is referenced all over the place. In uh, a 1998 episode of Seinfeld called The Maid, he's playing Battleship, and it's great because he requires a lane to make the <laughs> sound when her ship gets hit. There's an episode of The Simpsons in 1999, Someone's, you know cries out, you sunk my Battleship, and apparently... In the film RoboCop, there is a commercial for a Battleship-style game that can be seen in the background.
1: I just started rewatching RoboCop last weekend, so I'm going to watch for that when I finish look it, for it. Th- this upcoming weekend.
0: I do also want to mention, of course, that Ben mentioned a few versions, but there's been tons of video game versions. And now with smartphones and apps, tons of app versions of this game. And this one actually lends itself to an app really easily to like play with friends because you take your turn— It signals your friend. They take their turn back and forth, back and forth. So it's a kind of game that's
1: friends kind of thing. It's like
0: words with friends, right? Like it's super, you can be away from it for like a day or two and come back. And it's not like you have to, okay, where was I? You have to re-immerse yourself into some deep strategy. You just kind of like, oh, okay, they missed. All right, my turn now. Uh, So tons of versions of that, which is great. I do, of course, need to really set my radar in this class for... What I imagine is on a lot of people's minds, are we going to talk about this?
1: I feel like we could have done a total, a whole episode just on what you're about to bring up.
0: This is going to be really hard to condense because this episode, like many, has gone way too long. But we could not get out of this topic without discussing the 2012 military science fiction
1: action movie called American Warships. Wait, what? That is, not, that is not true. Actually, it is true. Wait, we're talking about American warships? So, this is... <laughs> what are you talking about? This is
0: Inception-level deep dive. 2012, there is a movie, as we all know, called Battleship. Right. And also in 2012, there was a movie called American... Warships that came out.
1: Is this like um an Armageddon first contact, like same movie, same time kind of deal? That's what I thought.
0: Yeah. But no, there is a whole I found okay, this is a this is a well within a well, and I don't want to go too far down this well, but I just have to say it at the top. I thought this was totally a deep impact Armageddon situation. What I unearthed is an entire industry I never heard of called mockbusters or knockbusters, which Their sole intention is to exploit the publicity of another major motion picture with a similar title or subject.
1: I almost accidentally once rented Transmorphers, thinking it was Transformers. I know what you're talking
0: about. 1,000%. This is an industry I never realized. These are like super low budget, quick production movies, and they're purposefully made with similar titling, packaging, and the hope is to confuse consumers for the
1: actual film that it mimics. No, no. And they're really bad. It does not confuse consumers. It confuses grandparents. I feel like this is the (laughs) grandparent trap... You almost uh, watched
0: Transmorphers, is all I'm going to say. But I
1: feel like this is the the classic thing where, like, you open up on Christmas and it's like, oh, "Oh, it's a stuffed turtle. And your grandma's like, well, your mother told me you love teenage mutant turtles. So here I got you one. And you're like, oh. It's like middle-aged
0: mutant samurai turtles or something. Exactly. You're like, oh, grandma, you were so close. I think you're right. This is totally, like, parents and grandparents getting confused.
1: I bought you the American Warships
0: movie. I know you love the Grandma, ships. can you buy me a 12-pack of Coke? I got you some RC. I love that our grandmother talks like Edith Bunker. Oh, hey, wait. <laughs> <right>, we- <laughs> <laughs> I got it for you, Archie. Anyway. <laughs> Those were the
1: days. <laughs> So
0: American Warships came out in the same year. It's distributed by a company called The Asylum. It premiered on Sci-Fi Channel. Apparently, The Asylum is big on this. And they were going to try to call the movie American Battleship. But Hasbro slash Universal said, no, thank you. And they had to switch the name. And this movie actually starred one Carl Weathers Mm. as General McCracken. No. So bad.
1: Spelled like the sea monster, like crack, like mick k r a k e n, k r a no K-E-N. Yes, like the so sea terrible. Monster. But
0: Carl Weathers, I mean, we all know him from what well, he's in 80s classics, Predator, yeah, all the Rocky
1: movies, yeah, all the Rocky movies, and most recently, he's in The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, he is in The Mandalorian, and let's not forget. He's the prodigy teacher Chubbs in Happy Gilmore, who loses his hand to the alligator.
0: That's right. He's in Happy Gilmore and American Warships. Oh my God. American
1: Warships. Holy smokes. Okay. I had to get
0: that out there because I found that in some of my research and I said, what on earth is this? I thought it was a joke. And then I realized it's a knockbuster.
1: It's a great find. It's a great find.
0: Goodness gracious. So, Battleship. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody. I launched myself onto a large sword, and I watched this movie, <gasps>
1: purely for you listeners. Oh, the sacrifice you make for our fans, for our audience.
0: Ben, I need to know right now, what questions do you have about the 2012 military science fiction action movie Battleship, inspired by the Milton Bradley board
1: game? So I will admit, I've seen this movie, but shortly after it came out. So I, I remember- Oh, you've seen it too. Okay. But like eight years ago, right? So, I remember almost nothing.
0: Which is expected.
1: I would assume, being that I don't remember, and to make the podcast fun, I didn't rewatch or look at anything knowing this was going to come up. Yeah. So I would assume the movie would be some really intense, like, Cold War standoff in the Pacific, where you have, like, a Russian fleet – You've got an American fleet yeah, and there's some sort of like intense like fog of war. Like there's really bad weather of some kind as you encounter on the sea. There's no visibility and it's this really intense who's going to shoot first – it's like a hunt
0: for Red October it, kind of yeah, tension, right? Like yeah, just like Red October. are just like, it's Sean Connery versus
1: Harrison Ford. Yeah. And it's like a small, isolated fleet. Comms are down and you're losing yeah. ships and like it gets down to like one American ship, one Russian ship and they're trying to take each other down. And
0: what would those ships
1: probably be, Ben? Those darn submarines that are just one square large that you can't find. Oh, I was going <laughs> to... You're probably right, but I was going to say battleships. They would be the battleships, for sure. They would be the battleships. I mean, the for eponymous sure. battleships, of course. That would be my guess of like what a good execution of a battleship movie would be yeah and i'm assuming that's exactly what this movie was that's pretty close to what we got is it really it's so close oh okay I, I, you're you're just
0: off on a on a few points
1: okay i thought they would totally butcher that idea okay let's see what's no what's they did on. not
0: butcher they are so close to that okay so there's three main plot points you need to know here okay one is we send a laser signal into outer space to planet g A near-Earth planet. I forgot to mention that. That was definitely an obvious part of that plot. Five alien ships arrive. What? And proceed to crash into landmarks around the world. What? Except for one that lands off the coast of Hawaii, where Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights is doing naval exercises with (sighs) Liam Neeson from Taken. No. No. And they're doing naval exercises. And the aliens create a giant energy force field around... Two or three ships, which create effectively a board game. A board game? I, oh my goodness, stop if you it. Will, to face off against these Navy ships. No! Tim Reagan's girlfriend, Ms. Chicken Burrito, I will tell you all the things you need to know about this.
1: Chicken Burrito?
0: Along with a, a vet who's a w, double amputee and a bumbling science guy, have to thwart the alien plan to use said laser satellites to signal Planet G. It's time for full scale invasion. So, you were so close. You were like right there.
1: I, this is totally one of those, like, I wish I was just a fly in the room of the writer's room when they were like, all right, let's write the battleship movie. And how did you get from Milton Bradley plastic pieces? First of all, how did you not just make it bedazzled? What, what was the first one? Bazazzled? Bazillals? Basilinda? Basilinda. <laughs> How do you not do that sort of sweet military movie of like not being able to see each other and taking shots? How do you get to this insanity of not just aliens, because we've got lots of aliens crashing on the planet, but aliens build an effective board game playing field on the ocean. That's, come on. These are all great questions that you're
0: asking. (sighs) I feel like Key and Peele needs to come back just to do a sketch. Kind of to your point of the gremlins, like, okay. It's in the movie. What's in Gremlins 2? It's in the movie. We now need to do this for... What is the plot for Battleship? Well, obviously, Alien Invasion, because that's central to any version of this game. Sure, of course. Number one. (sighs) Uh, Number two, we will make it Friday Night Lights, because obviously that has to be the core crux of where this thing comes from. (laughs) So Tim Riggins is in this uh taylor kitsch i call him tim reggins for obvious reasons he starts off with tim reggins hair have you seen friday night lights by the way the tv show let me clarify not the movie no it's in the same it's on the
1: shelf next to true detective that i haven't watched all right. <laughs> <laughs> with, with mr matthew mcconnell
0: so i'll just spoilers tim reggins drinks a lot of beer has a wayward existence drives a truck has a construction job has an older brother telling him what to do and plays a sport and guess what tim reggins in this movie does all those things Wow. So much so, there's another character played by Jesse Plemons called Landry in Friday Night Lights. Landry is also in this movie, and it is literally Landry. Like they pluck that character out of Friday Night Lights and drop him into the Navy. What? Why? This Macnose. is crazy. It does make no sense. He meets a young woman. She fights for. A ch- she walks into a bar to order a chicken burrito that would be heated up in a microwave.
1: That's disgusting.
0: The guy, the bartender, closes the microwave and says kitchen's closed. And there proceeds to be a very long segment in which she tries to fight for this microwave burrito. And then Tim Riggins tries to steal one from a soon-to-be-closed, like, 7-Eleven.
1: Oh, my God. I hate this. Was this was a part of the story. I don't like this.
0: So, of course, he proposes to her. And then he goes into the Navy.
1: Obviously. This all makes sense. It's all. This is all a great plot. I love this.
0: Flash forward to the... The Navy doing naval exercises, these ships are blocked off. The aliens proceed to then attack. Of course they're waterbound alien ships, why not? Of course. And much like in the movie Signs, these aliens have a weakness, and much like Gremlins, it is bright lights. Are you kidding me? Bright light. They basically have to be in these mech suits because their eyes are like some kind of lizard and they're very photosensitive.
1: What were all the drugs on the board table when they were writing this? What is happening right now? But here's the best part. So they really go
0: <sighs> into the whole mechanic of Battleship when they have to face off with them at night and they can't see each other. So they're using Noah, not the biblical character, but the National Oceanic okay. Atmospheric um, parts the o- Administration. You know,
1: with how this plot's going, if biblical Noah came out and <laughs> parted the Pacific, it was like, I got this. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Like a
0: giant arc of animals comes out and attacks. Right, yeah, Charlson Heston
1: crazy. is playing Noah and parts right. the sea and kills the aliens. It's going to happen. Wait, didn't um Russell Crowe
0: Crow play Noah in a movie? Uh, I know There's Steve's, a Noah movie. Steve Carell played Steve a Carell. Noah. Almighty heaven, right? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, it, honestly, if that came up in the movie, I would have been like, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, it's dark, they can't see each other. So, they're using these buoys, these Noah buoys, to look at water distribution or like currents to detect where the enemy the alien ships are and it literally starts to plot a grid on their display no and they see the dots and that's how they're going to fire these missiles because this is current times so spoilers battleships don't exist anymore because there are no battleships in current navies haven't been for many decades at this point
1: that's a fun fact i didn't know that so they're
0: doing that but here's the thing if these aliens don't do well in bright light. Wouldn't they thrive in the dark? No, the aliens can't see us either. So what? they have hyperspace technology, but when they land here, they can't see diddly Squad so in bright
1: t- light or in the dark. Apparently. I've lost track. Are we talking about Battleship or the crappy ripoff American warships?
0: I feel at this point they could be interchangeable.
1: I want to watch American warships and see if it's better than Battleship.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's
1: a maybe Admiral
0: McCracken might be able to <laughs> kick it up a notch. <laughs> Oh, all the ships get destroyed and then what these guys do is they go to Pearl Harbor where the USS Missouri is an actual real life commissioned or decommissioned, I should say, battleship that's now a museum and they quickly recommission the USS Missouri Uh with a bunch of these old guys that somehow had ammunition laying around, live ammunition on a museum ship. That's not a liability. And they take this old battleship out to sea for the final
1: showdown against this Alien this old retired junk ship goes out to fight the the mothership that's been blowing away the fleet. Makes sense. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Are there any other questions that you have
0: about this movie, Ben?
1: I don't have questions about the movie, but I have a really big reveal about the movie. I want to hear what your is reveal is. Is that a good is. time to do this? Let's do it. So in June 2012, I, with a gaggle of friends, vacationed for a week on the island of Oahu. Oh, okay. And I had a friend in the Navy, so we stayed with him. Him and his partner in Pearl City. And as you do, one day we had to go to Pearl Harbor to visit everything. And I have been all over and inside and around the Mighty Moe, the Mighty Missouri. Did you see
0: live ammunition and like cannon shells around that they were going to launch? Obviously, they were
1: ready to go at the drop of a hat. Totally. You know, I know we're way past history class, but the the Missouri is really impressive because uh, the Missouri is where Japan signed its surrender in World War II. So the Mighty Moe went to Tokyo Bay. On board were Fleet Admiral Chester Nimitz and the General of the Army, Douglas MacArthur, the very big name we know from World War II. And Japan sent out a whole gaggle of emissaries, but headed by Foreign Minister Nomoru Shigemitsu. And when you go on the Mighty Mo, on the deck is an emblem on the deck where the table was laid out, where all the documents of surrender were signed. So it's really cool to be in that presence. But what we didn't anticipate is all over the ship, are signs about which scenes from the movie battleships were shot <laughs> in those spaces. <laughs> and we knew nothing about this movie. So there'd be these sandwich boards in this room. They're like, oh, this is where so-and-so, not like nukes the burrito, but like, oh, right. this is where they plug in the thing or the ship comes through or this is where the alien landed. And we we're like, what is this movie? What is happening? Uh, so then we had to watch it. That's why we watched it when we got back. We're like, oh, okay. We were on the Mighty Mo. That's
0: hilarious. Yeah. That's great.
1: The Missouri is
0: a... Uh it served in World War II, the Korean War. Uh, it served in Operation Desert Storm. It's a serious ship. It's, so it has a long beautiful. history, and I believe it was the last Iowa class battleship to oh to be commissioned. It was the last to be commissioned. It wasn't the last to be decommissioned
1: though. When this episode comes out, I'll put up on our Instagram a few shots of uh, us exploring the Mighty Mo and some of the movie posters that we saw on the ship while we were there.
0: That's great. One question I'm surprised you didn't ask is, do they say you sunk my battleship? Oh, right. I wanted to ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any catchphrases from any of it, did they say? So surprisingly, as cheesy as this movie sounds, they weren't heavy on the cheesy catchphrases. And at one point he says, ain't going to sink this battleship. No way. But they don't say you sink my battleship, obviously, because like I said, battleships didn't exist. And this was the like climactic scene where they... Recommission this old battleship. So if it sank, that would be really sad. No, there's
1: definitely a director's cut where they're like, What'd you say? Like, look who's talking now. Um, (laughs) It's a hit. (laughs) It's a hit. Like, there's definitely, it's going to happen.
0: So again, it makes sense because battleships are no longer a thing. Like, no Navy, current Navy in the world, has battleships anymore that are
1: commissioned. But Milton Bradley is still making the game as a kind of a classic tribute, I guess. They loom large in history, but.
0: As of 2014, there were no battleships listed in the U.S. Navy Reserve huh. on the military balance. Look so at that. we
1: are going to get a bunch of angry mail from Navy officers who apparently will probably know something we don't.
0: I mean, there's plenty that we're obviously not going to cover here because we're way over time. But yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. The last thing I do want to give, speaking of military uh, U.S. Armed Forces, I do want to just give a couple props to this movie. When they did casting calls, they purposefully went out and found a lot of U.S. Navy sailors to be extras in this movie. Uh, and they did shoot on an actual uh, ship, the John Paul Jones. So that was the destroyer that was in the movie. That was an actual naval ship. And a lot of the old guys who were running the, uh, the Mighty Mo were uh, veteran sailors. And some of them had even served in World War II. You can kind of tell like the acting is a little wooden, but you don't care because there's just, you could just see the character in these old guys as they're showing the the youngsters how to run this old ship that's mostly analog. I thought that was really cool.
1: I mean, that's always a big thing in these sort of military movies, right? Where the uh, the American military and Navy and Air Force are always extremely cooperative yeah, with Hollywood, you know, because it is in a way kind of a recruitment tool. Right. But they always try and cast a lot of active duty and they're using the real equipment it is kind of cool. There, that lends an authenticity to a movie about uh, blind space aliens who crash into very strategically just monuments and then make a game board on the ocean. It may get you know, lends some realism to it. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: The last prop I do want to give also is one of the characters I mentioned, who is double amputee, uh, played by Gregory D. Gadsden. He plays Lieutenant Colonel Mick Canales. He is an actual U.S. Army combat veteran and. Real-life double amputee. Mm. I think he was on like a National Geographic special or something. They found him. He had never acted before. And they got him to be in the movie, which I thought was really cool. Because again, like they could have put, you know, Gary Sinise in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> for instance.
1: <laughs> just as an no example. offense, Mr. Sinise, but yeah, I'm just no saying. Offense to no offense no, no. Sinise. I'm just
0: saying. Just saying. So again, I, I wanted to give those props because for a lot of things, they missed glaringly. They at least I felt like did a couple of... They made a couple right calls. Yeah,
1: I agree. Whew,
0: this was a beast of an episode. Uh, do we take this crunch the
1: numbers in math class? Call it a day? I need to see if this game is ready to uh, sink or swim. That's what I really need to understand. Does this game hold water? Oh, there it is.
0: We've drawn the grid. We've plotted the points. We've launched our salvo. Does this game hold crash and burn sink into the depths of the ocean or does it withstand the barrage much like a real life game chucking water into enemy canoes (laughs)
1: what say you benjamin i have really strong opinions on this i have a really strong positive and a really strong negative that i want to get into let's hear so the really strong positive is i think this game is wicked fun i think it really holds up i think it's great As an adult, I want to play it. I want to play it with other adult friends. I want to play it with my friends' kids. And when you see how long it's been around and how many, you know, iterations, not only are there new versions of the game, the electronic, in-person, people just making stuff up in pools... Um, but there's so many like tweaks on the rules to keep it fresh and fun and unique. yeah, again, that goes back to it's a relatively simple board game, yeah, that has a lot of replay value as you move your ships around. you're trying to figure out where your opponents move their ships around. you're trying new stuff. So I think it is a lot of fun. I think it's a game that holds up really well. and you said there's a glaring negative. Ah, uh, so I sent you a photograph in the chat, okay. I want you to open that picture and, I don't know, just describe to me what what I've sent you. What is that?
0: So this is the, I'm going to call it 60s
1: version of the game. Yeah, so the blue and the red boxes.
0: So it looks like a, a dad and the son playing. Kids yelling G4 and the dad says, it's a hit. They're having a great time. They're having, they're having great, so much fun. They are
1: loving it. Smiles all
0: around. But they're not having as much fun. <laughs> As in the background, mom and daughter doing the dishes. And and, and by the way, they're doing the dishes, but mom and the daughter are both looking over their shoulders back at dad and son, having a great time playing the game while they're doing chores.
1: Is there any question that they're doing the dishes? Heavens no. No, it is very clear.
0: Yeah, mom's got a plate in her hand. Her other hand is in sudsy water, and daughter's got that towel because you can't let those things air dry. So clearly gender roles well defined in this board (laughs) game box
1: right so i feel like after after this doesn't i'm
0: sorry one more thing it does say for all ages eight to adult it does not say for all genders so it does not
1: say that (laughs) it does not and uh, i think it's on the top left it says mb you might think that stands for milton bradley but it stands for men and boys that's Mm. what mb stands for great catch yeah so obviously outdated Obviously, Battleship has recovered since then, and uh, all the other packaging I could find was a lot better. Still, in the TV commercials, it's still men and boys playing Battleship, not women and girls, or neither. It's pretty entrenched in a sort of the militaristic themes are for boys and men only, Mm. and it's not only egregious. Like there's a later version of this box where the mom and the daughter aren't on it, but to go ahead and design this box showing the mom and the daughter doing housework while the father and son play the game and they're loving the housework and they're so supportive of them playing games and not helping. It's a very different time and that does not age well for this version of the game in the box. Certainly not. That is so emblematic
0: of, unfortunately, the 60s era. But to have it so blatant on the box, like you said, like one choice is to just... Have them play the game. But to be like, oh, no, we're going to put mom and <laughs> sis there, but sh- we need to put them in the kitchen, of course, <laughs> oh, doing the, work. Yeah,
1: Where else would they be in this household at this oh, time? Oh, my
0: goodness. Mercy. That,
1: that's a great,
0: not good, but a great catch.
1: Yeah, important to catch. On the same day, uh, you know, I thought it was relevant today. Disney pulled a bunch of its movies from the children's profiles on Disney+. Because of sensitivity around certain issues, classic Disney films. So I thought it was, you know, mm. it was timely to bring that kind of thing up. You, sir, Absolutely. how do you feel about Battleship today?
0: Well, so as you said, the fun factor is great. It's simplistic. It's easy to play. Like I think about like a board game night with. I guess you could say Friends, but it's only really a two-player game. But it's kind of one that you can pull out and as a warm-up game. Like maybe you're waiting for the group to arrive or people are playing just little quick fun games. It's an easy one to bust out play. Like I said, rainy day, take it to a coffee shop and hang out, take it on a trip. It's got a small footprint, very travel-friendly. And of course, there's, you know, solo play now, uh, particularly with like apps. The turn-based nature is great for gaming with friends. I love games where there's secret moves and you try to outthink your opponent. Uh, I mentioned Ink and Gold. Stratego works that same way. There's another game for sale. There's tons of others. But I love games where you're doing things in secret and trying to figure out, you know, get into your opponent's head. Those are always fun games. Uh, tons of variants and house rules to incorporate. And as we mentioned earlier, I really want to play Basilinda. I just want to make that game so I can play it. That Basilinda looks like so much looks fun. awesome. But I think where this really shines is like kids developing strategy. When you think of those games, like Connect Four, right? Connect Four Mm. is a very simple premise. But as a kid, you're learning strategy. Checkers is another easy game where you're kind of learning strategy. And I feel like this is the next step. The rules are pretty easy, but you get to do things, again, hidden moves. And you you start to think like your opponent. And so I thought from a strategy perspective, it's not super deep, but you know, I think for kids especially, it's probably why it's aimed largely at kids, You know, even though it is a family game. So overall, I think it's a really super fun game. Again, it's not your probably most exciting game you might pull out, but uh, it's definitely a fun one to have in the mix. Well, I mean, goodness, this has been another long episode. It's a lot of fun. We've talked about games so much, I want to go play games. Yeah, I really do. I'm in the mood. But uh, what do you say we wrap it up? But I think we've got one more order of business before we do that. And you seemed, I'll just let listeners know, Ben seemed a little self-satisfied, a little high on his horse. Felt like he was in the catbird seat when he, oh, I've got a topic for you. And I was like, okay, I'm
1: curious. I need to know what this is because... There's been a lot of build up for me. Going back to the beginning of the episode, talking about phrases from all over time. What is cat bird seat? That I have not heard.
0: You're like sitting on the ideal perch. You're like in the the seat where you can see. Oh, It's like where a cat hangs
1: out to watch birds. All the going's on. Okay, that makes me feel better. Cat bird seat. What
0: the? Okay, it's actually a short story.
1: Oh, Don't read all right. it, but
0: it is a short story.
1: I'm very excited about this topic. Okay. Piggybacking off of some themes from Battleship. But I decided that I can't say those because I'll give it away too quickly. So I'll say those afterwards. All right. But I have a bit of a word game for you. Okay. I'm going to give you three words and you try and tell me
0: what they have in common. Oh, gosh. I feel like I'm in a psychologist's office right now. Right. I'm, this I'm, is a, this I'm at my therapist. Yeah, this is like a Rorschach test, but with words. Yeah, Freud is sitting there.
1: Okay. Siren, Electra, and Malibu. Now, one podcast listener just got in a car accident because they screamed the answer and swerved off the road. They were so excited. Miami Vice. <laughs> Miami Vice. Those three words happen to be the stage name of three of the all-time most popular American gladiators.
0: Oh! Oh! <laughs> Yes. Do you know what I thought you were going for for a moment? I was going to be so bad. My Little Pony. I was thinking these were My Little Sunshine, Pony. Sunshine, sparkle hooves, and oh, those are Care Bears. Tail. Those That's are right. Care
1: Bears. Yeah. Battleships had this sort of a patriotic thing to it, and then I was thinking like head to head battling, and then I was like, oh, American, American gladiators, freaking yes. gladiators! Oh my gosh! So. We're going to talk about one of the greatest, I think, of all time athletic televised competitions, (laughs) TV series of all time, big hair, big bodies, big prizes on the next episode of 80s High. That's super
0: exciting. I will also say I'm already thinking of this terrible, speaking of American warships, a terrible knockoff of gladiators that I used to watch. I'm so excited to talk about that on our next episode.
1: Well, everyone, this has been awesome with battleships, and I'm uh, yeah, I'm really excited to hit the mat and hit the foam balls with everybody uh, on American Gladiators next time.
0: Yeah, get your giant two sided Q tip looking mallets. We're gonna get ready and get on your um, your pedestal. We're gonna knock each other into the '80s tastic action next time on '80s high American Gladiators. Thanks everyone for listening to 80s High podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us 5 stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.